Hey there, I am Anna Michelle Gomo and you are welcome to the podcast. This is a safe space where I get to talk about God and how we can build our relationship with Him. On each episode, we'll be diving below the surface of the Bible to encounter God and grow. Currently, we are on a 365-day Bible challenge and it has been fantastic so far. And so I invite you to join us today because God has a word for you, but it is up to you to listen. So please stay tuned. Hey guys, welcome back to another amazing episode of the podcast. I am your host, Anna Michelle Gomo, and today is day 135 of our Bible in Air Challenge. And just like I said, mentioned yesterday, that we will be joined by an amazing guest, and he is here with us. So I'd love to introduce to you guys Johnny Taverner. He is the host of the Refuge Freedom Stories podcast. Hi, Johnny. We're so glad to have you on here today. Uh, it's great to be here, Michelle. Thanks very much for having me on your show. I just feel like the way we met is, is particularly interesting. So I met Johnny at this virtual podcast platform. Honestly, like signing up for that event, I I didn't even think I was going to be a part of that because it was, yeah, I think it was it was a mistake that I signed up for it. Funny story, it was a mistake that I signed up for it. But then I later on um, did a little bit of research and I'm like, okay, so it's not going to hurt to try, you know, attend a virtual event. And then I met Johnny on there and now he's here on this podcast. So I don't know if the experience was different for you, Johnny. Well, first off, I don't believe that there are any mistakes when we're walking with the Lord because he says that mm-hmm. he orders steps. So there's a lot of divine um, meetings that are set up and things like that. So so I personally yeah. believe that. So it's no mistake that that we made that connection on the podcast. And, and obviously this is the result of that. Joining uh, PodFest Global was the first time that I had done that. We've been uh, broadcasting Refuge Freedom Stories for about two and a half years now, and we're literally heard around the world. We are actually heard in Nigeria, too. We've had some downloads there as well, wow. so that's all. Awesome. And it's uh, it was an interesting conference. I made a lot of connections there. Uh, I'm looking to build upon that. Uh, with other Christian podcasters like yourself. So I'm really excited about what the future holds. Yeah, that, that's amazing. I like the fact you said there's no mistakes with God. Yeah, that, that is so true. So, um, Johnny, can you give us a quick intro about yourself? Let us get to know you more. Sure. Yeah, I've been, as I said, I've been podcasting for about two and a half years. It was birthed out of a ministry that a friend of mine has called Refuge Ministries Canada. And that's a first point of contact for young offenders that are released from prison or youth detention centers to help them get their lives settled and back on the right track, you know, helping them find God and so on. Uh, Personally, you know, I've been serving the Lord for a number of years. um, And it's, it's been, you know, an exciting time. It's been a challenging time. Uh, Has it ever been perfect? No, we're human. We make mistakes. We grow, we learn. And so there's a lot of blessings in all of that. And I just find that in the last couple of years that, that God has really started to draw me closer to him uh, personally in my walk with him. And I'm seeing some of the fruits of that. So kind of excited. Uh, as you can see in the background, I have some guitars. I like to play around with those and, and sing at church and some outdoor events and yeah. things like that. Uh, I'm writing a devotional right now. I'm working on that. I don't know how that's going to actually come to fruition, but I'm still working away at it as the Lord lays things on my heart. Um, mm-hmm. I'm married. got uh, 
wife, we just celebrated our 37th anniversary and wow. <laughs> uh, two boys and five grandkids. And so life is good. Yeah, I'm so happy for you. You, you are definitely blessed, particularly about your podcast. What was the inspiration for it? Like, how did it all start? So in 2020, my friend, uh, Reverend Alan Campbell, he had uh, an experience in his own life where he was uh, fell into a, the wrong crowd when he was young, spent some time in uh, prison. And when he was in there, some Salvation Army members came to see him and uh, presented the gospel, and he accepted the Lord into his life. When he got out, he was asked to share his testimony at a youth, uh, sorry, on a TV show. Yeah. And as he did, he got invited to a youth detention center. And one of the young men that came out to him afterwards was 12 years old. And his uh, heroes were Jeffrey Dahmer and Charles Manson, notorious uh, <laughs> villains, serial killers. And he led this young man to the Lord. But when he was flying home, he realized that there was nobody there to mentor that young man. So he started Refuge Ministries Canada. And in 2020, that, and that was like 25 years ago, in 2020, he called me up and he said, I just read a survey that said that 77% uh, of Canadians believe in miracles. And he said, we've seen a lot of miracles happen through the ministry with people's lives being changed. And I want to start a radio show. And I said, well, I don't have a radio voice. I said, but I can certainly help you with the technical side. So we started moving forward with that. And then another friend called him up who has a God-given radio voice. If you listen to the first 50 episodes, you'll hear Dave hosting the show and you'll yeah. see what I mean. And, and he said, hey, I really like what you're doing. Is there anything you need me to do? And he says, yes, I need a radio host. So we kicked off in June of 2020 with a radio program, a half-hour radio program, and we're on radio stations across Canada. And in August, my pastor came to me and she said, do you have a podcast? And I had this big, gigantic light bulb go off over my head. And I said, no, but I'm going to. And that's what kicked off the whole podcast thing. And I just published our 127th episode yesterday. And I've wow. got interviews booked for the rest of the year. And I've got a waiting list of people that want to be on the show. So I edit them all. I produce them all. I host them all right now. And it's a real blessing. Yeah, it is. Like, I I think I listened to some episodes and I was definitely moved. It, it is so beautiful. I think for me, it was a different um, pathway. Like... Um, I knew I was podcasting, but I, I didn't really see it as podcasting. I just felt like, because before I literally um, released my episodes to the public, I usually had like those personal recordings on my phone where I would just talk about what I got from reading the Bible. I know mm -hmm. it was quite weird, but like at that point, I wasn't really comfortable with um, kind of putting my voice out there. And then later on, I, I heard about podcasts. And I'm like, oh, so that's a thing. So I get to um, have a radio that's not really a radio channel. So then yeah. I started it and I honestly did not think that a single person was going to listen to it. And so I was completely honest. And then I turned, I think I turned it like about a week later and I'm seeing about 500 people listen. And I'm like, what? <laughs> I had yeah. no idea that it worked that fast. And so since then it has been so great. Like I get to have people like tell me that my episodes moved them and helped them. And that, that isn't just because it glorifies me. It, it kind of glorifies God that God can move in people's lives through me. And that, that is just so amazing about what I do. So uh, you are definitely welcome to the Christian podcast team, or you should be welcome. Anyways, let us dive into today's readings. So I did mention to you that we are doing this Bible challenge. We're reading through the entire Bible. 
in 365 yep. days, yeah. So today Wait. we're looking at Second Samuel chapter 18, First Chronicles chapter 23, and then Psalms 37. So before I dive right into what I have prepared, what are your thoughts on the chapters so far? Okay, so I read through them, and I do have some thoughts. Uh, first, let's talk about Second Samuel 18. So this is about Absalom and yeah. uh, you know, his death, how he was caught, things like that. And some of the things that really stuck out to me I think that are relevant today and I'll just uh, I'll go through those. So in verse chapter or in verse five, it says, now the king had commanded Joab, Abishai and Ittai saying, deal gently for my sake with the young man Absalom. And all the people heard when the king gave all the captain's orders concerning Absalom. So he gave clear direction on what he wanted to do. Then later on in the chapter, it says, then Ahimaaz, this is after they had already killed him. Uh, yeah. He said, Ahimath, the son of Zadok, said, let me run now and take the news to the king, how the Lord has avenged him of his enemies. And Joab said to him, you shall not take the news this day, for you shall take the news another day. But today you shall take no news, because the king's son is dead. And Joab said to the Cushite, go tell the king what you've seen. So the Cushite bowed himself to Joab and ran. And Ahimaaz, the son of Zadok said again to Joab, but whatever happens, please let me also run after the Cushite. And Joab said, why will you run, my son, since you have no news ready? And he said, whatever happens, he said, let me run. So Ahimaaz was, was driven to be the first to tell the king something. So he just had this desire to be seen as the one that had to bring forth, you know, whatever it was he was going to tell him. So later on, when they saw them running, you know, the, the uh, guards in the tower saw them running, he said, oh, somebody's coming with news because he's running by himself. And he says, uh, Asmaz called out to the king and he said, all is well. And he bowed down his face to the earth before the king and said, blessed be the Lord your God who has delivered up the men who raised their hand against my Lord, the king. And the king said, is the young man Absalom safe? And Ahimaaz answered, when Joab sent the king's servant and me, your servant, I saw a great tumult but I did not know what it was about. So, but he did know. Ahimaaz already knew that Absalom had been killed and he didn't tell the king that, but he said that his priority was to be, as I said, his priority was to be known by the king to bring news, but he wasn't really concerned at all about bringing the truth of what happened. He just wanted to be the one to be known as the deliverer of the news. Yeah. And then when the Cushite came, he was honest and he told the king that, you know, Absalom essentially had died. And so what struck me about that chapter was that today in the world, there's a lot of discussion about disinformation. You know, you see many political leaders, you see many um, news organizations, you see this, this um, message being put forth that there's all this news out there and you really shouldn't listen to it. We're your real source of news and listen to us. We know what we're doing. We know what we're telling you is the truth and so on and so on. But they're all supported by wealthy politicians and businessmen. And personally, my wife and I don't watch the news. And we haven't watched the news since the beginning of Lent. Uh, every, year we, every year that we've participated in Lent, we've had some amazing things happen. Some have been tragic, you know, with, with people passing on. Um, from his life, but other things have been absolutely incredible. And so this year we decided we're not going to watch Lent. We're going to, you know, fast from that. And I'll tell you, the clarity in my mind um, was already working towards that. But just when 
Every now and then I'll flick it on just to see it. It's go, yeah, it's the exact same message. They're telling you the same thing. They're all saying the same thing. And so in my mind and my heart, I fully believe that God is the one that is the truth. And if I need to know something, he's going to tell me. He's going to show me in his word. Holy Spirit will speak to my heart. They'll lead my path. I don't need to trust in earthly news outlets to know what God wants me to do in this life. And just based on what I read here in this chapter, you know, even back then, there was lies being told. Yeah, yeah. I, I never looked at it from that way. Like, that is so true. I'm not once watching the news either. <laughs> mm. I, I do not watch the news. I feel like there is no good that comes out of it. I mean, I get informed about, like, um, dangerous situations, but, like, that's it. Every single time I watch yeah. the news, I feel like I am more saddened then I am happy. And it just affected my mood, uh, especially yeah. during 2020. Yeah. So I think after that year, like, okay, so no, I'm, I'm not doing this anymore. And mm -hmm. I think that is so important. And we're living in the digital age. So I think it's almost impossible to not have any news get to you. It's going to get to you somehow. But the important thing is about filtering the kind of news that you receive. I feel the devil is kind of a bit creative in how he yeah. targets Christians. Like, if you don't watch the news, then he's probably going to try to use music to get to you. If it's not music, he's going to try to use movies to get to you. So I feel we have to be very intentional and protective of what we let into our hearts and into our minds. Like that, that yeah, that is so true. Just to give you you guys the listeners a quick backstory of what's going on so you have like absalom who is david's son and he rebels that means he wants to be king and he wants to overthrow his father david and then there is this war that happens between the israelites which is the people that decide to go with absalom and then the people that remain faithful to king david and then in that war in that battle we're told that twenty thousand israelite men die like 20,000 men that were chosen by god like before this division before the separation the Israelites were like the group of people that were chosen by God. They were just chosen people. And now, instead of those people to like go out and overcome their enemies, overcome the territories surrounding them, they are turning in on themselves and then they're fighting themselves. And this is something that we've been seeing recurring over and over again, that the Israelites battle against themselves. So Absalom is caught by his head in this bush or forest, and then he is killed by Joab. I feel like Joab is the kind of guy that he's going to give you what you deserve, you know, <laughs> um, in, in, yeah, in second Samuel chapter three, that's like some chapters back, you have like Abner. So Abner was like the commander of King Saul's army. And then he is the person that also supported Saul's son to be king instead of David. And so along the line, so Abner decides to switch over sides to David, but Joab never trusted him. And Joab also had this um, hatred against Abner because he killed his brother in a war so he revenged his brother's death by killing abner and then today um joab also kills absalom regardless of the fact that david told them to spare his life so job is just the kind of guy he's going to give you what you deserve um and he doesn't care about what anyone else says and so job kills absalom and then we're told that david mourns absalom's death and when i read this particular verse i could not help but like um draw this amazing comparison so we're told that david cries out he says my son my son Absalom is dead would I have wished that I died in your place and there is this amazing comparison that we can draw between the story of David and his rebellious son and also with God and his rebellious children I feel like mm -hmm. at the heart of intense pain and sorrow every time we see that intense pain or we see sorrow or we see death in such a huge magnitude like the source of all of that 
is sin. David cried out, my son, my son, Absalom, wouldn't it have been better if I died in your place? But then Jesus cried out also on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So I think there was just that amazing comparison that at the heart of those two instances and circumstances is sin. So in the first case, we have a mourning father, King David, wishing to have died in his son's place. And then in second instance, we have a mourning God who actually died in our place. And I, I could not help, like, I do not think that that is a coincidence at all. And like, mm-hmm. we have to hate sin, not because we want to just obey God or blindly follow his commands, but that sin can only bring about pain can only bring about separation and can only bring about death. When we choose to rebel against God, when we choose to make ourselves king instead of God, just like Absalom did, then we choose to turn away. We choose to invite the consequences of our actions. So what, what do you think about that? Yeah, no, I think that's very, very true. You know, what you said, and, and as you were talking about uh, Absalom and his desire to be king, yeah, how often do we see you know, people striving in this world to you know, be the richest, the most famous, you know, the, uh, the the greatest, like so on and so on. That, But that's all based in pride, you know, yeah. and it's sin in God's eyes. And, you know, you're right about keeping sin out of our lives, but it's not about what we do to do that. It's through submission to Christ. You know, the more that we submit to the Lord, the more that we let him truly into every avenue of our heart, because the Bible tells us that the heart is desperately wicked and who can know it, you know? So yeah. no matter how well we think we're doing with God, there's going to come a day when we're going to go through that, you know, that dark time of the soul where he brings something else up to the surface that we may not even have known about that was there, but he knew it was there from even before the time he created us. So it's really yeah. important just to continually submit our lives to the Lord and just to, to walk with him. Um, one of the things that's really been, gripping me over the last little while is just, you know, having that open, honest conversation with the Lord when I'm in my devotion time in the morning and just being completely honest. I mean, there's, he, you can't hide anything from him. He knows everything anyway. Mm -hmm. You're never going to surprise him, right? Mm -hmm. You're never going to surprise him. So just be completely honest with him and, and transparent with him. And you'll see real growth in your walk with God. And I think that, is so important because as the days get darker and darker and as the time draws closer and closer to him returning, we need to really be able to discern his voice above all of the noise that's around us, even our own desires, even our own thoughts of what's right in the path that we should go on. His ways aren't our, you know, and we need to really be in tune with his ways. And the only way we can do that is by submitting daily to his will, like the Lord's Prayer. The Lord's Prayer starts, you know, um, hallowed be your name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, right? Yeah. And so important that we phrase that, like I, I've been phrasing that and personalizing it to myself during my devotions, you know, and, and just asking God to let himself be glorified in everything that I do and I say, and let his kingdom come. So it's not just his kingdom as we think of it in eternity, but that he says that we'll have life and have it more abundantly. So yeah. that abundant life that he promises us, I want that to well up in my heart and overflow, you know, out in mm-hmm. everything I say. 
So that's that's kind of where I'm at right now with that. But yeah, you made some great points about the the parallels. There's lots of parallels in the Bible about what Christ did, you know, yeah. and you know how it's represented in the Old Testament, you know, and Christ said that he came to fulfill the law, right? So mm-hmm. Yeah, that mm-hmm. is so true. Thank you so much for that. I think one of the major obstacles that people face, especially people that have been living away from God through most of their lives and then they want to turn back to him is that they have a hard time kind of accepting the fact that God loves them, regardless of whatever they've done. And I know this because I've been there before. And at that time, when I was going through that, it was like, I know that God loves me. <laughs> I know that God forgives me. But just kind of accepting that your sins can be wiped out in an instant was just, it was, mm-hmm. it was almost impossible for me to understand that. And that has been one of the limiting things for so many people to fully accept God's love and acknowledge that God's mercy and forgiveness is available to you for free. But I feel like a way that we can get to understand this is through this story today that Absalom, after his um, rebellion, after all of what he put his father through, that King David still wanted him alive. King David mm-hmm. still wanted to reconcile back to him. And that that is just for a moral father. That is for a human being that still makes mistakes. So how much more about God who is love himself? So uh, just for anyone listening out there struggling with that, that, I just want to, to know that God loves you uh, immensely, like in ways that you can never fathom or understand. And it's not for you to understand. I don't think there's a way that we can ever understand God's love. It's just for you to accept and live in that and just get overwhelmed by his love and let it free you from your sins and from your past. And I, I think that is the first step to truly believing in God. And I think as well, you know, be open to the ways that God can show you how he loves you. Um, I grew up, yeah. my dad wasn't around, my parents split up when I was young. So it's it's been a struggle for me through my Christian walk to really understand God as my father, right, in heaven, because yeah. I never father figure to good or bad to uh, compare it against. But you know, in the last little while, God's really been showing me his love tangibly through my grandkids. And, mm-hmm. you know, it made me think about how Jesus said, let the little children come unto me. And it's been using that, and it's been really touching my heart. So I would say to your audience, you know, if you're struggling with understanding that God loves you, just be open to seeing him through different venues and different avenues and ways, because he's so creative. And he can use the smallest thing and the biggest thing to really show you how much he loves you. If you're open and willing to listen and to see. Thank you so much for that. Moving moving on in the story. So like after Absalom is killed, you have this slave that went also with the other guy um, that brought the news to King David. But one thing that stood out to me from what he said was that he said, may what happen to him, that is to Absalom, happen to all your enemies and to all who rebel against you. And I think this is the answer to one of the major questions that so many people have been asking, especially concerning Christianity and concerning God, is if God is so loving, if God is so good, why does he send people to hell? And yeah, I've asked that question before, and thankfully I have the answer. Well, the thing is that God doesn't derive joy in sending people to hell. I don't think that God would want to make someone in his image and in his likeness and give him all of the authority and the power just for him to end up in hell. But the thing is that we have free will, meaning that we have options and we can choose. Mm-hmm. And when we make choices, it means that we also get to accept the consequences that comes with those choices. You know, so like in as much as David loved his son Absalom, 
in as much as he wanted to reconcile back to Absalom, Absalom made a decision and he made a choice to rebel and that eventually brought about his death. So I think that can give us a, a, just a blurry vision of what it means that God loves us. Yeah, he does, but we still have that choice, you know, to accept his love or to reject it. So um, Johnny, what, what would you say about that? Like giving an answer to that question that if God is so loving, why would he send people to hell? What, what would your answer be? Well, and I believe it's in Second uh, Peter 3.8. He says, it's not God's will that any should perish, but that all should come to eternal life. And you're right. We all have our own free will. Uh, God will bring people or circumstances or situations across our path throughout our life to point us towards him. And we can either choose to accept that and find a way to God, and he'll help us with that journey, or we can reject God. And it's our own personal choice. We have our own free will. God doesn't want robots. God doesn't want people to you know, follow him because they have to, you know, yeah. God is God and he wants us to follow him because we love him. You know, it's like, why, why do people sin? You know, Christians and non-Christians, why do we sin? Well, if we truly love God and he lives in our heart, our heart will prevent us from making those sinful choices, you know, and it's not because it's a do or don't, uh, type of rule. It's only because we have the love of God in our heart and it would insult God and it would hurt God if we decided to do something that was against his word or his will. Yeah. No different with becoming a Christian or or trying to understand or follow God. We have that choice to make. And it doesn't matter how much we tell people or how much we try to convince people. We can't do it in our strength. It has to be God revealing himself to those people personally in whatever form, whatever way that may take, so they can understand that he really does love them. He may use us to, you know, it says one sows, one waters, and another reaps, right? He may yeah. use us along one of those steps to help them along that journey towards God, but it's, in, it's entirely up to God. He says nobody comes to him unless he draws them, right? Mm -hmm. Nobody comes to father unless the father draws them so we really need to pray for people to be drawn to god uh, our loved ones our friends that don't know him and just be ready to follow his prompting to do whatever he asks us to do no matter how small or big it may seem yeah that that is so true um i i once um heard this sermon where the person said that there is no love without free will you know if you never had a choice to choose something other than one thing that you, you can't claim to love it because that was your only option. You know, you mm -hmm. can only say that you love something when you had another option to choose another thing. And I think that's, that's a way that we can look at it, that we cannot say we truly love God unless we have another option to love another thing, you know, so that that's where um, love and free will comes to play. Um, there is this very popular verse of the Bible, um, John three sixteen. almost everybody knows this verse, you know, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. But there are also some words that Jesus says right after that. He also goes on to say that those who believe in the son would not be judged, but those who do not believe in the son have already been judged. And in verses 19, it says, this is how the judgment works. The light has come into the world, but people love the darkness rather than mm -hmm. the light because their deeds are evil. And I think that's a way that we can look at it that, 
there is judgment as much as there is love. And so, yes, God loves us, but there's also judgment that comes with not choosing that love, with not choosing to love God back. So I, I think that's a way that we can kind of explain that um, very complex question. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So um, moving on, um, I think it is, I mean, when we look at today's readings, we can easily say that, okay, so Absalom, God was coming, he rebelled, he wanted to kill his father and overthrow him, and so he died, like case closed. But when we look like deeper into the story, I, I um, a few chapters back, we can see like there is there was something that happened before Absalom kind of decided to rebel against King David. I feel like the source of Absalom's rebellion can be traced to um, David's fault in a way. Um, th- this is just, um, should I say, I'm just trying to make meaning of the story. I wasn't there when it happened. So this is just me trying to connect the dots. Okay, so we're told that Absalom's sister, Tamar, was raped by his half-brother, Amnon. That happened a while back. And we, there, there is no mention that David does anything. I mean, he hears of it, but he does nothing. And so Absalom has to revenge his sister, and then he kills Amnon. And then after that, he is exiled because he killed his brother. And David still does nothing about it. And then Absalom comes back from exile, wanting to reconcile back to his father. And David still does nothing about it. I feel that David does have a a part to play in Absalom's anger. Like even in today's readings, when David wanted to refer to Absalom, he referred to him as the young man Absalom. When he was telling the officers um, while they were about to go to war, like, do not kill or do not kill the young man Absalom, spare his life. And then even when he was about to receive message from those two messengers, he asked, um, what has happened to the young man Absalom? It wasn't until he heard of his death that David kind of acknowledged Absalom as his son. You know, mm-hmm. I just, yeah, there's just that very little thing that we can get from that, that the relationship between David and Absalom wasn't that great for obvious reasons. I mean, some chapters back, we hear that when David gets um, fully coronated as the king of of all of Israel, that he gets more wives, he has more concubines, he has more children. And this was like a direct um, disobedience to God's law that is way back in the first five books of the Bible. Like when God and the Israelites were still in the desert and then you have the people um, get into the promised land, one of the things that they ask for is they want a king because they want to be like other nations. And that is where King Saul comes in. And then God kind of warns them that when you have a king, do not let him to have multiple wives because then his heart will turn away from me. Yeah. And then you have King Saul, you have King David, you have King Solomon. All of them had multiple wives and multiple concubines. And that is like the source of all of the confusions and literally the source of all of the divisions that came up from that. So I feel like there is so much wisdom that when God gives like a command or an instruction that we, we pay close attention to it. And we, we try our best to obey because most oftentimes than not, those commands aren't for God because I don't think our obedience or um, the laws help God in any way or add to his glory or to his power. They're for us to prevent mm-hmm. us from hurting ourselves. So I think that's one thing that I can get from that. Um, another thing I can get is that David did not acknowledge Absalom's identity as a son until the end, until Absalom died. But God claims us as his children from the beginning. God claims us as his sons and as his daughters. And I think that is something worth noting and also praying about. Because sometimes we, we say that God is our father, we are God's children, but we, we really do not know what it means to be identified 
as God's children. So can you um, share a bit more light on that? Like, what does it mean when God says, you are my child? And when I say that I'm a child of God, what are like the responsibilities that, that come with that? You know, first and foremost is to love God first, you know, in our lives over and above everything else. And as you were talking about that, it made me think about the apostles in the book of Acts when they were, you know, walking down the streets and even as their shadow passed by some of the people that were sick along the way, those people got healed. And, yeah. you know, walk, walking with God, like recognition of being someone who's a follower of God, I think that isn't going to happen through what we tell people or what we wear, you know, like our shirts or, you know, our, our crosses around our neck or anything like that. You know, it's going to be through our actions, our words, um, you know, of encouragement, you know, pointing them towards the Lord, living out the, the, the word of God in our hearts. Like we don't have to tell people, oh, well, you know, this, this verse says this and this verse says this. And I, I personally believe that the more that we read the word and the more that it becomes flesh in our heart, yeah. uh, you know, that becomes an expression of God. Because one, it it leads and guides us. You know, it's a living word, right? God's God's mm -hmm. word is a living word, and and Jesus Himself says that He's the bread of life, right? So, when yeah. He's alive in our hearts, then that changes everything that we we do, the way we look at things, and you know, He says that when we follow Him and we're doing His will, we're His sons and daughters, right? Yeah. Think about uh, when Jesus was talking to the crowds in one particular chapter in the New Testament, it talks to Jesus talking to the crowds and the disciples came and said, these people have been here for three days. You know, what are we going to give them to eat? And Jesus said, well, how many loaves do you have? Right. And mm -hmm. they said, well, two loaves and, you know, five loaves and two fishes, whatever it was. But when you think about that, those disciples had been with Christ, you know, for a period of time. And he had already told them that he was the bread of life, right? So yeah. it wasn't so much asking them physically, how many loaves do you have? I believe what he was saying to them was, how many loaves of me do you have in you? Okay, how many loaves do you have? So how much of me is living in you? Because if they really understood that he was alive, in their hearts through their faith, then they could have been used by him to multiply those fish and multiply that bread. They wouldn't always have to go to Jesus to do that, right? Yeah. So when we're when we're walking with God as sons and daughters, it's a complete fundamental way of living. It's nothing to do with rules and regulations and laws and those kind of things. Yeah. And he he loves to call us sons and daughters. It's his will, you know, that, that we walk in that path with him. So that's kind of my thought about that. Yeah, that's spot on. Um, I think because we, we say so many times that we're children of God, we, we kind of do not have so much of an idea about what it means. You know, I think we can take a look at the life of Jesus and just understand that a bit, that when Jesus says that he's the son of God, or what even God the Father addresses Jesus as his dearly beloved son, that that is the standard that we have been raised to, that we do not just get mm -hmm. to be mere creatures of God 
or mere servants of God or mere worshippers of God, that we have been um, lifted up to that same standard as Jesus, that we get to call Jesus our brother and we get to have that direct access to God as our father. And I, I think that is such an amazing grace that we get to have such a direct access, regardless of our sins, regardless of our mistakes or our weaknesses, that God's mm -hmm. arms are always open to us and he's not ashamed to call us children. So we should also not be ashamed to call him our God. Yeah, I, th I think that is so amazing. So um, one last thing before we close from Psalms, this verse really stuck out to me. It's from Psalms chapter 37, verses 28, and it says, The Lord guides us in the way that we should go and protects those who please him. And I think it, this is one of the verses that we can always pray over ourselves as we move on each day. Like one of the major things that we can get from the story of King David is that God was always protecting him right from when he was um consecrated as the next successor up until now god has always seen him through all these battles and that we can be rest assured that god will also always see us through our battles and our fears so thank you so much johnny for um joining us today this has been so amazing you're definitely going to have to come back another time oh, for sure yeah i'd love to love to yeah yeah thank you so much so um with that i would bring this episode to an end do not forget to check out um his podcast the refuge freedom stories podcast so amazing and i hope to see you guys on this episode same time same place please have an amazing day